Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine Saint Clair. All aboard! You told me that we went to school together, but who told you we were in school together at McBurney? That's the question. <laughs> um, who did tell me? That's a good question, actually. Someone, someone, damn, I don't remember who it was. Someone told me and like described you, and I'm like, I, like I sort of remembered you, but I think we were I, like in maybe one class together. I think we, when we spoke, I think, but. Pretty, I, I wasn't a big like school guy, so I was kind of out of it during school. You I weren't tried. a school guy. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I don't. I, I I never liked school. I'm dyslexic, so school was never a fun experience for me. But I graduated college amazingly. I don't know how I did it, but I did. But I never enjoyed it much. <laughs> well, no, trust un- me, huh? I was as unpresent as I could be. <laughs> Well, that was a big school too, McBurney High School. I mean, there are a lot of people from like all over the place. I, th- you know, we went to school with Jennifer Levin. Remember that? Yeah, well, yeah, she was a Baldwin. I, I knew her a little bit. I knew, I knew Robert Chambers also a little bit, and I was actually there that night. Talk about crazy, right? At Flutie's. At Dorian's, the night that that happened. Oh wow! Yep. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that was like my hangout from age twelve to like. 16. <laughs> you know, this is the whole thing about you. So you're hanging out at nightclubs at age 12 to 16. Then you were doing your work in the nightclub business. Now you're like a successful producer. You produced one of my favorite series, Gotti with John Travolta. Uh, thank you. I mean, how did all this stuff start? How did you even get into like nightclubs and then all of a sudden to producing? Was it just contacts or how did it happen? Well, I like to say my parents gave me my start. Um, when I was 12, they kicked me out of the house. So I didn't have much of a choice. I had to do something quick. Um, I, I, I had a weird childhood. I, I, my parents were divorced at a very young age. So I lived with my mom. And I was a good kid. I, I, you know, I never did drugs or anything like that. But it was, uh, I definitely had a weird childhood like i was very independent from a very young age going to school myself from age six probably and i went to school but oh my that's another fun thing my first school was in harlem um that was the first school i went to so i had a very rough growing up i had a very strange childhood most of my friends growing up at a very young age were you know gang members drug dealers like i had a very as i said i would hang out in harlem i went to school in Harlem. i would hang out there all the time um, it wasn't until uh, I was about 11 that my father's di- the divorce kicked in and my father started paying for private school. And then everyone knows me as, oh, he hangs out with all the preppy kids. Well, that was way after. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so anyway, I, I was 12. I got kicked out of the house. Um, I worked at the time as a gopher for a real estate company, which was a really big company. And I would like, you know, do all their whatever they needed around the office basically and my boss liked me because i worked really hard it was at my after school job and summer job 
And when I get kicked out, I went to them and I was like, you know, look, I, you know, I, I knew their, their rent rolls. I was like, I knew the places they weren't renting. I'm like, you know, if I gave you cash, could you let me stay at one of them until you rent it? And he's looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, you're 12. You can't sign a lease. And I'm like, I know, but I have nowhere to go. And he felt bad for me. So he gave him this little studio on 73rd and Columbus, right above the old Tommy Hilfiger. Um, it was the smallest apartment probably in history. Probably it's, it's probably smaller than any other apartment in New York City. It, it was basically, I could fit a single bed in. I, my TV had to be behind the bed because it, it wasn't wide enough for a bed and a TV. And my ass had a little black and white TV, I remember. And uh, it had, the bathroom was teeny, like the shower, like you couldn't even fit two people in the shower. Like my girlfriend at the time couldn't get in the shower at the same time I was because it was so small. I had one flame and a little broken toaster that barely worked, but it was mine. I was 12 and I was going, I was actually going into junior high school when I got kicked out. So I was going into seventh grade. Uh, it was summer before seventh grade. So then I yeah, was having trouble making it, you know, paying my rent and my utility bills and everything with just my money after, after school and summer. So I got this idea because all my friends were like, went to private school world, never had anything to do at night because we're kind of too young to get into clubs, but not old enough yet to, I, I'm sorry, I'm too young to get into clubs, but too old to go to a movie every weekend. So I was like, well, how about if we just rent the place? So oh, the other thing, so everyone would go to these parties, these house parties were the thing where someone's parents would be away and, you know, a thousand kids would pile into some poor person's house and destroy it. It was happening every weekend, but the parents got wise to this. So they would leave like their housekeeper living there to make sure like that the kids couldn't do that anymore. So I just got this idea. Why don't I rent a place and charge? And the first party I threw was when I had just turned 13. Uh, I just put a flyer, like a big flyer that said mid-year bash, $5 all you could drink. I still have the invite. I still have the invite actually. And uh, I, we gave out, like we printed like Xerox. It was like just literally a, like a paper flyer and i gave like we put like 40 of them i gave one to each friend at every school and said you know pass the word this is before emails or anything obviously um and the, i remember the first i remember we opened at nine and i had no idea what was gonna happen it was on fi at a sound studio 52nd and 10th avenue and i remember by about 8 15 we estimated there were probably 15 or twenty thousand kids outside um, they had to shut 10th Avenue down. It was on, it was in the, it was uh, uh, between 10th and 11th. They shut 10th Avenue down. They, they shut the whole, I mean, it was, I remember it was on fifth floor. I remember looking down and it was just wall to wall kids for like all the way down to 11th Avenue, all the way down to 9th Avenue. Just the entire street was a wall, like you couldn't even walk. And these cars stopped, everything stopped. And we only could fit 250 people in the venue. So it, when we filled up and then it was like everyone's out of luck. Um, so, then uh, it was right near the projects, so all the kids are getting mugged because they were like Christmas, at least <laughs> white kids running around. Um, so then I had to get all my security, was all my kind of uh, a lot of my drug dealer friends, bodyguards were doing my security at that time. So I said, you know, please stop this, stop this. And they're like, uh, why? But your white kids getting robbed. We don't care. I'm like, they're my friends. <laughs> you have to stop this. And I remember one of my guys was huge, this guy, uh, was probably 400 pounds and got up on him. He had a megaphone. I don't know how he even got that. And they said, everybody, attention, please stop mugging the white kids or I'm going to come and beat you up. And everyone's like, hey, all the, everyone's like, yeah. 
And that was my first experience with doing parties. Wait a second. Like, I'm just trying to figure this out. You're, you're, you do understand you're 12 years old and there's something so remotely wrong about this. How old was your girlfriend? When I was 12? Was she like 24 or something? I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, my first, yeah, my first girl who I was really, uh, I guess probably fell in love with, was, she was 20. And you were no. 12? Yeah, she didn't know I was 12. What did you it, tell her? Pardon? <laughs> How wait, you lied to her about your age? Yeah, I told her I was, it was really bad. It, it, it to this day it haunts me actually. She was awesome. Um yeah, How, she What did you tell her? I'm just curious because I know of one other person that told me he was lying to girls when he was 13 and he got smacked in the face. So I, I feel like I even probably got worse. I mean, I I was really into her. I mean, she was like my first everything, obviously. Well, you, what did you tell her? 18, 16? I, I just I, now, I, I look when I was 12, I looked much older. Like I don't no one even thought like when I, I remember when I went to junior high school, I walked in and the teacher was there. It's like, oh, do I have the wrong class? I'm like, I'm a student. <laughs> like everyone thought I was I look, I don't know why. It's my whole family's like that. My parents both, my father, I remember told me when he was like 13, 14, he looked like he's in his 20s. And then for some reason my family stopped aging when they're like 35. I, I my mom and my dad, when they were in the, you know, into their seventies, they were like, they were 40. It was, it's a bizarre, I mean, I'm not complaining, but it's, we have good genes, but we age quickly early, which is also good. Cause I wanted to look older when I was younger, <laughs> but I, yeah, I told her I was 19 and I took a year off to work. Well, it's a, even funnier how I met her. It's funny. Something really funny. I was a delivery boy at the chicken kitchen. Oh my so God. I was really taking like all these chickens running around and she worked at a real estate company. Um, and went to Brown and it was like her summer job. And, uh, I didn't know she went to Brown though. Um, and so I would deliver her chickens every day and we always kind of smile at each other and everything. I was 12. I was a little dork. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't hit on her. I didn't even know what to do. And after maybe a couple of months of this, she said one day I brought her chicken up and she's like, you know, I have a confession. I'm like, Oh, what's that? She's like, I don't like chicken. I'm like, okay. She's like, do you want to go out? And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was terrified. Um, and that's that's actually how I met her. And then she, I told her that I was taking a year off and then going to Brown. Oh. Like, it, she went to Brown, and so it worked. Like, we went out the first couple times, and it was great. But she started getting real suspicious because I was an idiot. I mean, I did. I remember she asked me what I'm majoring in, and I. Again, I, I wasn't even in junior high school yet. So this is before I had any idea what that even meant. And I was literally in sixth grade when this happened. Or, or I, it's actually the summer after sixth grade. So I told her, I didn't know what to say. Something like my favorite subject. I'm like, oh, Jim. <laughs> so I, I basically made it for myself. And she basically eventually figured it out. And then she left me a message saying, you know, this is really fucked up because I really liked you but I know you're not 19. You're lying to me. And that's, you know, you betrayed my trust. And I only wanted how old you are. I mean, and for, I know you must be 17. You could be 17. <laughs> thinking like, Oh God. And yeah. I called her, you went? I called her a million times afterwards. She never called me back. <laughs> and that was it. Well, she should have been a little nicer because had this situation have happened now, number one, you at that age, you definitely wouldn't have had a job because so many kids today, they just don't want to work. Secondly, she could have said that you, uh, you know, you could have said she sexually harassed you. You, you could have me too'd her. Yeah, in this day and age, yeah. It's scary. I mean, I, 
Yeah, I, you know, although I think, yeah, I mean, you're right, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, of course, she had no idea. I mean, she really did believe me at the beginning. But I felt bad. But it was heartbreaking for me because I was, like, in love with her. I mean, she was, like, my, you know, my first everything. So that, yeah. that, that was – so I had, a, I had a very weird childhood, that's for sure. But anyway, so I went – you know, I started doing these, these parties that would move every week to not get busted because the cops were always on our ass. Um, and then eventually when I got a little older, I got, when I was like 15 is when I got into really doing clubs. That's when I started. I, I actually started doing tunnel. Yeah. Uh, with Michael Alec on Thursday nights, which was interesting because he with very different crowds, but it, we kind of mixed them. And then I started doing Nels, which was the big club back then. And Nels? I was Nels, which I eventually bought and became <laughs> years later that's definitely uh that's like a really like starting at the bottom i mean i've never heard of a story like this and i've had all kinds of people on this um you know seth ferranti and like he i mean this the story sort of i it kind of reminds me of a story because he's very self-made as are you but at 12 years old being thrown out of a house it's got to be super traumatizing and you know, every photo, I remember seeing you on Instagram and like in every photo with all these girls, they're all really pretty. You're like, oh, that's my ex. That's my ex. I'm like, oh, so something's really good about this guy that they actually want to speak to him. But now after this other story about you saying you're 19, I, I just, um, I guess she'll be like last on the list to ever call you to send you a, like a, a Hanukkah card or anything like that. <laughs> I've never spoken to her since. She never yeah. returned my calls. I mean, I called her, apologizing, crying on her machine. I made, I made a complete fool of myself. But, yeah, I never spoke to her again, which is probably good because she found out how old I actually was. God knows what she would have done to me. Yeah, I but, wonder why. <laughs> probably um, well, when, how do you get into films? Like, I, I know everyone always gets seduced by, uh, you know, movies, TV, and just their favorite actors. And I could tell, like, working with you that one time that – there were a lot of people that actually really liked you and knew you like outside of there. You know what I mean? No, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's true. Um, well, mo- actually, getting the movies was interesting. Um, I had an assistant who worked for me for a long time when I was in college, and he was in college. We were the same age. Um, and after a few years, he told me he's moving to LA, he's, and uh, so I wish him luck. And he became Mark Wahlberg's assistant. And so we stayed very close because we we're all friends, Mark, me, me and him and everybody. So I would hang out. He, he always traveled with Mark. So whenever Mark would come in, we'd all hang out for many years. Um, and he, he made a lot of connections, obviously, working for Mark. And he called me in, what was it? This was a long time ago. Like, must have been 2000, I want to say. And said, uh, I'm producing a movie. I want you to produce it with me. And I'm like, fuck, I, I just opened, well, I'd opened Veruca. It was like probably in our third or fourth year at that point, um, which was my first club that I actually owned. So I was really busy because I was there like 24-7. I'm like, you know, I'm a club owner. What do I know about doing a movie? It's like, dick, it's the same exact skills. It's raising money, it's attaching talent, it's knowing what's hot, it's knowing, you know, it, it's exactly what you do. And I'm like, sort of made sense to me. Uh, so I did it with them. It was a movie called Speedway Junkie, and we did it with a uh, producer with Gus Van Zandt. Um, it was uh, Jesse Bradford was in it, Daryl Hannah, uh, Patsy Kensit, Tiffany Amber Theus, and it was a pretty cool crowd. Warren G. 
Um, so that was the first one I did. And then, then another friend of mine uh, started a production company. This guy. Uh, oh, and by the way, the, so the guy, the niche guy who brought me into it then became one of the biggest producers in Hollywood now. His name's Randall Emmett. You might know him now, um, which is funny. And so I still, to this day, we do a lot of movies. We've pro- I think we've done like nine movies together, me and Randy. So we've done a lot over the years. And he's still one, you know, one of my very close friends. So that's kind of how that happened. But uh, right after that, another friend of mine, this guy Bob Kravitz, started a production company called Co-op, which was basically a bunch of kind of uh, actors and kind of artist types. We all band together to do this production company. Um, so it was like me, Jeffrey Tambor, um, Peter Fastinelli from um, Twilight, um, Amy Redford, Rob Redford's daughter. It was kind of a very eclectic mix of a bunch of us. Um, so I did that and did a bunch of indies with him. But again, back then I was always, I was really more into clubs because I that took my whole, really my attention. So movies were sort of like my, I don't know, hobby, I guess, you know, side, you know, night project, my day job, I guess you could say. Um, so, that, and that's the way it went for a long time. But when I closed uh, my last club, Leonora, I was just very burnt because I had done clubs, you know, literally since... Yeah, I was 12 <laughs> straight. I think I've always had a club, you know, promoting from t- the time I was 12 and to open my first club that I owned when I was like 25. So I was, I've literally had a club I've done straight the whole time and I was completely burnt out. I didn't want to open another club right away. So I decided to take one year and just do film. And for some reason it just blew up. I did like almost 10, nine or 10, I think in one year. And so I was like, I was enjoying it. So I just kind of kept doing it. Um, you know, now I'm kind of, I haven't done clubs in a little while. I mean, I've done a lot of events and stuff and I keep, you know, I keep my foot in it, but I don't, I haven't been that owned a club in a, in a little, little while now. So now I'm looking again to maybe do something very small private, but, um, but yeah, I've really, you know, I've really enjoyed film and it really, they're very similar. I like to create things. So whether it's a film or whether it's a club, that's what I enjoy. So I'm yeah. lucky. <laughs> I'm excited for Three Days Rising to come out because that was really cool. I got to meet like one of my idols, like Melly Mel, and work <laughs> with him, which is like one of the weirdest things. I was scared at first. I'm like, oh my God, he's here. It's like, it was a very scary moment for me. Like when you meet some of these people, like you work with John Travolta and Gotti and um, the wife, Kelly, his belated mm-hmm. wife, uh, who's um, she did an amazing job and an amazing like Guidat accent to the T. Did you feel like intimidated at first when you booked him? Or like, how did you, how do you react sometimes when you meet someone for the first time that you've always liked as an actor? It's strange for me because I'm generally a very shy person. A lot of people don't realize that about me, but I really am very shy. Um, But I'm not shy when it comes to business. So that doesn't bother me. I'd be much more shy just meeting someone random, you know, someone not famous would make I'm a lot more shy in that scenario than someone famous, if that makes sense, which might be really weird. Um, there are only really two times in my life I've ever been starstruck. <laughs> which would be, let's hear what they are. <laughs> when I was, I must have been early, the early 20s, a friend of mine uh, came, that was before I opened my first club. A friend of mine came uh, to one of my events 
and said, I was really busy. I remember doing something. And he said, oh, I want you to meet my friend Bobby. So I turned around and, hey, Bobby, no, no Bobby. I'm like, Bobby De Niro. <laughs> and Robert De Niro, obviously, and that, that was, I expected. So I was kind of like, oh, boy. So that, that kind of froze for a second that time. That was just the first time. Um, the second time was later, actually, was actually Clint Eastwood. Who? who Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, and I always just respected the hell out of him. So I don't know if I was completely, but I didn't act like an idiot, thank God. But I mean, he was he was a really interesting guy, but he was the guy I was like, wow. But I very rarely get starstruck. I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people. I don't really, it doesn't really happen to me. Clint Eastwood's really the only one where I was, you know, just kind of, you know, just, I think he's, you know, I respect his work so much. And I think he's one of the only real like, icons left on that level. You know, I don't think we have any, anyone that even approaches his just, you know, you know, it's like John Wayne, Elvis, Clint Eastwood, you know, he's on that level, I think. And I think that that's unusual. You don't really get that in our generation. It doesn't really have that person who's like that. I agree wholeheartedly on that. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's been a really crazy year, especially with filmmaking and just production. A lot of classes were hybrid. Thank God they're back um, in person. So I have like maybe six more months left of a Meisner technique class. Thank oh, nice. God. But yeah, it's been now it's been really a great journey. So how what did you do to stay busy during the pandemic? Um, I know you had a project that was supposed to come out. Have you been writing? Which one? How, what what did you do to stay busy during the pandemic? I know that you had uh, we were supposed to have one project come out, one movie. So did that get pushed back? Are you writing more films? How did you stay busy throughout this whole craziness? Well, it's a good question. I mean, a lot everything I was doing obviously got delayed. So I think that happened everywhere in the world. Um, when I first, as I said, when COVID first started, I got I was first people to get sick. I mean, I got sick before when they were still telling us not to wear a mask. That's when I got sick. Um, so I remember when I got, it took, I was really bad. I mean, it took me about a month. I mean, there was a good two weeks where I couldn't move. I was just, I almost paralyzed. I really just, I was like hallucinating. Like <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and it took me a good month and a half to get to a point where I could even really walk around my block. Like mean, I really couldn't walk. Um, but I, you know, I slowly got better. And when I did, I had this vision that I wanted to do something for charity to help people because obviously everyone was in so much trouble. And at that time, New York was really getting pounded more than anybody. So I just came up with this idea to do this thing called 4NYC. I don't know if you saw this little short that I did, which was, um, you know, obviously we couldn't shoot and have like a camera crew go anywhere. So I had the idea of everyone do their parts on their iPhones and just send them to me. So we'd go over what they're going to do. And then, and got, I got a bunch of people to do it. Like a lot of my friends did it. A lot of great people, um, like Cuba Gooding Jr. was in that Chuck D from public enemy, um, Tom Arnold, uh, Fraser star, um, Vincent Pastore from Sopranos. I'm trying to remember everybody. with so many people in the Shane uh, Johnson from power, I um, mean, you know, we had this very eclectic mix of uh, DMC from Run DMC. Like we had a very eclectic mix of all kinds of people. But the one thing everyone had in common was they were kind of either New York lived in New York or at least spent a lot of time in New York. Um, so we did it, and so that was I spent a bunch of time working on that, 
and then that came out and we uh, uh didn't no one took money on it and we gave um we took three of the food shelters that were feeding people and oh. they like david wells had one that was doing it my old friend the former yankee and then uh two other ones that we picked so we sent them all the business so that made me feel good and that kept me busy for a little while um and then i just kept busy doing yeah, I made sure to take a walk every day to, you know, I was doing a lot of stuff, to getting ready for as soon as things opened up a little bit again. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember going to Miami and everything was fine there. It was just New York and LA. They were so stupid. <laughs> it, was, it was really annoying. Well, I mean, you have projects still. I mean, you're always staying busy with something or another. Whenever I see your photos, it's like you're out here, out there. It's like, well, where is this guy? It's like, where in the world is Noel Ashman today? Like, where is he? We're in New York, I should say. Um, so what do you have coming up that people could actually look forward to seeing and what do you have planned for the future besides making more things? Good question. Well, as I said, I'm, I'm looking at spaces, maybe doing a private lounge. Um, but it's harder now cause I can't do it myself anymore. Like I need a lot of partners cause I, my movies are going to take up at least 50% of my time now. So that's, it has to be kind of the perfect situation that, that I could do it, but I, I still enjoy it. And I kind of miss it because I've been out of it. Yeah, I haven't had a place in like four years, maybe or something. Wow, it's been a while. So, you know, I, 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 that's one thing. Um, Film-wise, we just had a movie called um, Fortress, Sniper's Eye, that just came out, which is one of Bruce Willis's last movies. Um, so that that's just came out in theaters right now. It's on, uh, on demand as well. Um, I have another Bruce Willis called Wire Room that's coming out in probably two or three months. I have which, uh, Three Days Rising that we spoke about that you're in, Mickey Rourke and Icy and everybody. Um, that got delayed a little bit for a couple of reasons, but it'll come, it should be, probably end of this year, I'm guessing, it should be out. Um, and then I have about six or seven movies I'm working on that we're prepping right now. I have to figure out which one we're going to do first, but I have a bunch that are really good that I'm excited about. So... That's 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 the immediate future. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to Three Days Rising and um, you know, to the to the premiere because it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. I've heard your parties are great and all of your um little events that you throw. So, I uh, I can't wait to finally go to one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was I like I wasn't going to your events when I was a teenager because I was always behaving. But that's why I was surprised. How did he know me? How did you even remember me from school? Because I really didn't look the same. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out who the hell told me that. Someone uh, just told me, and I, then I and kind of I put it together. I'm like, holy shit! And then I remember, <laughs> holy. Yeah, just her nose looks a little different. You know, she looks like a few enhancements here and there. No big deal, you know. But yeah, it's the same person. But <laughs> so, if people want to keep up with you, where could they find you? Uh, Instagram is always a good place at Noel Ashman, N O E L A S H M A N. Um, website, noelashman.com. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> They're all at Noel Ashman. So, yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, thank you very much. I'm thank actually going to stop recording in a second, but even though I didn't get to see you, you see your face, I could, I could see you smiling. Ha, ha, ha.